from KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, Uber, Lyft, and other gig companies want voters to help them sidestep California's AB5, the law that requires them to reclassify their independent contractors as employees. They say Proposition 22 offers a better way to address the needs of app-based workers, and they've thrown a record $185 million behind the measure. But labor groups say the companies are abusing their power in ways that could lower labor standards across industries. We'll hear from both sides after this news. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Proposition 22 is shaping up to be the most contentious and expensive measure on the November ballot. Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, and Instacart have poured some $185 million into the proposal, which would allow them to classify their workers as independent contractors with some benefits, rather than as employees under state law. But opponents say these workers are entitled to overtime and benefits like health care and paid leave. The outcome of Prop 22 is being watched closely by other states. And joining me now to debate the measure are David Cruz, president of the League of United Latin American Citizens Council, number 3288, part of the Yes on Prop 22 campaign. Thanks for joining us, David Cruz. Well, thank you very kindly for having me. I appreciate it. And also with us is Sherry Murphy, Lyft driver, organizer with Gig Workers Rising and part of the No on Prop 22 campaign. Thanks for joining us, Sherry Murphy. So happy to be here. And Lauren Hepler, economy reporter for Cal Matters, is also with us. Hi, Lauren Hepler. Hi there. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being on. And I'll start with you. So Proposition 22, as I said, would allow gig workers, gig companies, including Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, others, to classify their workers as contractors with certain benefits. What are these benefits exactly? Yeah, so this should sound very familiar to a lot of people in California. This is a conversation that was top of mind with last year's AB5. And at issue is whether gig workers should be, as is written into California law now, if they should be guaranteed things like minimum wage, 150% overtime pay, expenses reimbursed at 57 cents per mile, health care, and family leave. Prop 22 proposes an entirely different structure that they say is more fitting for these new types of on-demand jobs, um, and they would pay 120% of minimum wage and partial reimbursements for things like health care, but it would all be tied to what they call engage time, which is when a driver actually has a passenger or an order in the car, um, and most studies from both business and labor groups show that about one-third of driver's time is spent waiting and not during those active rides. What justification have you heard from Uber or Lyft about that? So the, on the engage time issue, they say that it's a matter of control. They don't have visibility into what exactly drivers are doing while they're waiting. So they'll suggest that maybe they're driving for another app or maybe they're on a break grabbing some food. And drivers I talk to often say that's not the case. A lot of times they're circling, like maybe looking to pick up a ride in an area. And they say it's just kind of a cost of doing business and they feel that they should be compensated for that. So that's a definite point of contention on this mm. one. Well, you know, Uber CEO in a New York Times op-ed, 
He said that what you're just describing with these additional benefits, not exactly, of course, what you would get as an employee, is a so-called third way, sort of between the original contractor model and the state's law, AB5. First, can you just remind us what AB5 is, what it requires? Yeah, so AB5 would consider gig workers to be employees, like in other industries in California. This obviously also affected freelancers and other lines of work as well. And what it requires is, again, minimum wage, which in California varies from 13 to a little over $16 an hour, depending what city you're in, as well as some of those benefits like health care, paid family leave, workers' compensation, unemployment benefits, obviously a big one right now. Um, and the question here is really if there should be a baseline for gig workers, if they should be entitled to these types of things, or as the companies say, should you give individual drivers, what they would like to be considered contractors, uh, an opportunity to go out there and try to earn more money per hour based on kind of their own savviness, figuring out the most lucrative routes. So I guess in a nutshell, then you would vote no on this if you think these workers should be treated as employees, as AB5 says, with employee benefits, and you'd vote yes on 22 if you want to let gig companies classify these workers as contractors with some additional benefits. There's this other part of Proposition 22 that I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about, and that is that it would make it extremely hard to amend. Can you talk about that provision? Yes, it's an interesting provision. So it requires a seven eighths supermajority, what our political reporter calls a super, super, super majority. And that's an unusually high bar uh, to amend a ballot measure. Uh, so that means that if lawmakers wanted to go back later and say, hey, we actually think kind of the pay structure in Prop 22 should be amended, it would require really across the board disagreement in the state legislature, which even in dark blue California is not easy to accomplish. Uh, a lot of folks say that would be practically pretty much politically impossible. Now the gig companies do say that they don't have to leave any room at all to amend. So they're saying they are leaving some flexibility. But the one thing I think is interesting here is that we hear the tech industry talk a lot about iteration and sort of improving things as you go. And this measure appears to be at odds with that. You know, just one last question before we go to the yes and no sides on this. As I mentioned, this is being watched closely by other states. What are the broader implications of Proposition 22? So this is really kind of litigating the future of work, how we think that this new class of tech-powered jobs should be regulated. It's an issue that's already come up in other states, places like New York City and Seattle are also implementing driver minimum wage right now. And we're seeing all kinds of dueling research on what that's ultimately going to mean for driver pay. Obviously, the companies themselves have threatened to pull out of unfavorable markets if they don't like the laws that are passed. So this could have big implications for both the workers themselves and consumers who have gotten used to having these cheap rides available. Lauren Hepler, economy reporter for Cal Matters. David Cruz with the Yes on Prop 22 campaign. Tell us why you're advocating passage of this proposition. Well, thank you. I appreciate uh, Lauren's last point. This model has been created by the public. I mean, the platform companies, certainly they refined it. But you, the consumer, you're making these companies successful. Uh, just a few feet from where I'm seated right now, I've got boxes that just got delivered from a store that we ordered some food from yesterday. Because of COVID-19, you know, I need to be careful. My neighbors who are in their 70s, they haven't gone out in weeks. These services are being, uh, they're growing because of the high demand the public has for them. And it is true that 
the public is the one that's using the services and they don't I don't think that they see this like they're exploiting men and women. I certainly don't see myself that way when I take an Uber or a Lyft. I try to compensate them in addition to the fee. Whatever they charge, I try to give more. Uh, and I don't say that in a condescending way. I respect what they do. To me, and the reason why, as a community activist, I, I believe in this is because the workers want to control their schedule. They want to control where they work, how they work. And there is a floor that is guaranteed under Prop 22 that is, in addition to minimum wage, 120% over minimum wage. They do have benefits, new protections, things that's going to make them uh, better at managing their time, their business, and the way that they work. So I think that this is a step forward for California. And I realize that in the Bay Area, where most of your listenership may be centered, uh, there could be an anomaly there because it is a very concentrated area. But Prop 22 is a statewide measure that's going to bring uniformity and it's going to codify it into law. It's going to be something that will apply from one end of the state to the other, which is why I think it's important. That's why it's important. All right. Well, let me go to Sherry Murphy with Gig Workers Rising, the No on Prop 22 campaign. Tell us why you are against this proposition. All right. Thank you for having me again. Um, I just like to first start off by saying that I disagree with um, David's um, perception about this law was created for the people. We simply know this, that it's a valid measure that was purchased by Lyft, Uber and DoorDash and written by multi-million dollar corporations to deny workers a basic wage and labor protections and create a special exemption for themselves. And they're asking California, California voters to be complicit with it. And that's why we're asking voters to say no. Um, we, what I know about this law is that, uh, or the laws such as AB5 in um, here in the state of California is that it has nothing it will take nothing away from the flexibility of the driver. Billion dollar corporations can afford to provide workers with flexibility and benefits like unemployment insurance and sick leave and workers compensation. And there's nothing in the law that is taking away the driver's flexibility. What we're talking about is a proper proposition that will create a subclass of workers that will have no sick leave, no unemployment insurance, no remedies and no voice for generations to come. And that's why it's a big no. Well, let me invite our listeners to join the conversation. You've heard yes and no put out sort of their main reasons for why they support or oppose Proposition 22 and an explanation of what it will do. How are you planning to vote? Or maybe you already have. Tell us what you decided or what are your questions about this proposition as you're trying to decide? The number 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can also reach us on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email us at forum at kqed.org. And this is what Scott writes. If this measure passes, I'm concerned that other employers might start classifying workers as independent contractors when they're really not. What's to stop the restaurant industry, for instance, from classifying servers as independent contractors and screwing them out of minimum wage, sick time, etc.? David Cruz, what's your response to Scott about these broader concerns that, uh, for example, you know, once the contractor model came about, a lot of companies took this on as a cost savings measure, maybe even if their workers were not necessarily true contractors. What's to say that this third way that the proposition is proposing won't also be used in instances incorrectly? 
Well, I do think that there are laws in place that would guard against abuse of this kind of a provision, whether it be AB 5 or 22. Where I stand on, a, on yes on 22 is that it's going to ensure the greatest number of people keeping work that permits them to earn as much as they possibly can. You know, when I looked at this thing initially, and this is the closest I've ever gotten involved with something as significant as this, I decided that I wanted to support it because it doesn't put a cap on how much the worker can earn. As opposed to thinking of minimum wage, I want to know what can we do to improve their plight since they are primarily uh, from communities of color. And how can we give them that opportunity to work as much as they can or wish and earn as much as they can for their families? And look, this issue of flexibility is very important. This issue of flexibility is something that we're definitely going to dig into after the break. Again, we're talking about Proposition 22 with you, our listeners, with the yes and no sides and with reporter Lauren Hepler from CalMatter. Stay with us for more. I'm Mina Kim. You're listening to Forum. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Proposition 22 would classify drivers for app-based services like Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Instacart as independent contractors, but guarantees some benefits. We're talking about it with Sherry Murphy, Lyft driver, organizer with Gig Workers Rising and part of the No on Prop 22 campaign. David Cruz, president of the League of United Latin American Citizens Council, yes, on Prop 22. Lauren Hepler is with us, economy reporter for Cal Matters, And of course, you are listeners, 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. And uh, you can reach us at KQED Forum on Twitter or Facebook. Email us at forum at kqed.org. Let me go straight to your calls. Kevin in Santa Clara, join us. Hi, Kevin. Hi. I just want to make a comment that Lyft and Uber, DoorDash, they were all in compliant with the current law on the books. They weren't willing to come to the table with the drivers um, before the law was placed on the book. This is a half-hearted effort to throw a few benefits um, after the fact. They're in compliant of benefits that they should be providing currently, right now. Kevin? big no on 22. Yeah, so thanks for reminding us of that. I mean, Lauren Hepler, they essentially refused to comply, right, and were sued as a result of it. Um, can you tell us what were the grounds? Yes, the caller's absolutely right. There are lawsuits flying over gig companies' refusal to comply with AB5 since it was signed into law uh, in January of this year. And basically what happened is about two months back now, a judge uh, issued an injunction and said that the companies have to start paying, compensating their drivers and providing these benefits as employees, uh, as AB5 says. Um, and that was when a lot of people may have heard Uber and Lyft threaten to pull out of California. Uh, now that measure was stayed and we're kind of in a limbo period right now um, where uh, 
we're going to go back to the courts and see what they say. And in the meantime, obviously, if you've ever used any of these services, you've probably gotten emails or seen commercials online with the almost $185 million that gig companies are putting into this campaign to say, hey, if you want to keep these services available, you should vote yes on Prop 22. So they're really asking the voters help for getting around some of these issues that have come up with the courts and the legislature in Sacramento. Well, let me go to Mutt in Oakland. Hi, Mutt. Join us. Hey. Hey, how are you doing? Um, so I just want to say for the record that I'm uh, uh, generally pro-union, pro-co-op and all that. Um, but about Prop 22, I'm not 100% decided because uh, I am a delivery driver right now. And I have been a Lyft driver in the past. Um, and although there are problems, especially with the ride-sharing uh, companies, I've noticed that... Uh, it, it's not as cut and dry as it used to be. It used to be like the company would only take 20% and you'd get the rest. And now it's kind of, it's kind of shady. It's a little shadier. Um, and I think something needs to happen there, but it, when it comes to a business <clears throat> um, going from private contractor to, you know, employees, W2s uh, their, their costs are going to go up exponentially. You know, they're going to have to pay like uh, workers comp. They're going to have to pay, uh, administration, they're going to have to pay the more taxes and whatever. And sure, maybe they should pay more in some ways for some things. Um, but I feel like it's going to, it's going to change the business model so much that it's not going to be worth it for the drivers and it's not going to be worth it for the customers. Mm. I don't think they're going to want to pay the increase. And I don't think the drivers are going to want to, you know, only drive for $13 an hour. Then you get your taxes taken out and everything else. And then, you know, it's 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 a hustle. You know, it's a it's gig economy is a hustle. You get to like sometimes you make forty bucks an hour. Sometimes you make ten bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's uh, it for it. I, I ultimately I'd like to see it be the you could have a choice. You can either be a private contractor or you can be an employee. Or maybe if you work over a certain amount of hours, you're automatically classified as an employee or something like that. But that's not how our laws work. So. Well, Matt, thank you for sharing that and and. Sherry Murphy, I mean, his point about potential costs increasing significantly, it does make it hard to to see how they would be able to offer the kind of flexibility to drivers that they're offering now in that event. Um, so I, I just I want to speak to what the caller uh, briefly mentioned as relates to whether or not to be classified as an independent contractor or um, as an employee. And I want to say this, that for years, Uber and Lyft have had a history of breaking laws, exploiting workers, sexually harassing women, attacking critics who happen to be women of color and LGBTQ. And so there is a, this, this um, issue is about misclassification. And it started off last year, six weeks after um, Lyft and Uber decided that they were wanting to continuously to break the laws by creating Proposition 22. The way that the law says now is that we are our employees, um, according to the Dynamics decision back in 2018. And what that did was essentially address the minimum wage that we're fighting now under Proposition 22 um, and whether or not we're employees or independent contractors. What 20, what um, AB did in 2019 was clarify the reach and effect of the Dynamics decision by making sure that we address the state disability, unemployment insurance, 
um, and workman's compensation. There is nothing in the law, and let me be clear, there is nothing in the law that would take away the flexibility um, away for drivers. Billion dollar corporations can afford to provide workers with flexibility and benefits like in unemployment insurance, sick leave, and workers' compensation. They're just refusing to. Well, what you're saying is underscored by this listener who tweets, can you ask the yes side whether their position is that they're legally barred from offering employee drivers under AB5 flexible schedules? Because nothing whatsoever in current law in AB5 or elsewhere in California law bars them from offering fully flexible schedules in any way. David Cruz? You know, that uh, argument about what's an AB5, what isn't, the fact is it isn't defined and 22 would define it that there would be protections for drivers that would now be codified. They would become part of law. The caller previously brought up a very good point, which is the marketplace defines this model. There is, and forgive me for for the unintended pun, there's no free ride here. These costs will change. It will be a different model if we go to employees. And what I would like to ask my friend Sherry is this, what guarantee is there as to how many drivers are going to keep their jobs. Look, I I am about keeping as many people employed as possible, not on sweat wages, but to let them decide for themselves how to maximize their time. The concern that I have and the reason I'm here is because my my looking at what uh, the esteemed assembly member, uh, Lorena Gonzalez, calls the golden ticket that some will get, What happens to the rest of the drivers who don't get hired by the companies? There is no guarantee that the market will accept them and that we're going to be willing to pay a higher price for the services, be it delivery or rides. But Uber and Lyft and companies like that could provide flexibility if they wanted to. Full flexibility. Well, I think to we're drivers. moving. And look, um, LULAC, my counsel, we're moving towards those kinds of conversations with these companies, but I don't see them as an adversary, you know, describing them as being uh, an enemy of the people or of the community. I, I, I just don't see business that way. I see it that we have to be able to sit down at the table and negotiate these things. And I think we in the marketplace do have that kind of power to do that. I, I want to address. Wanna Sherry address. Murphy, go right ahead. So I, I want to say that, you know, everyone wants a job that's treated with dignity and respect. And here and here's why we're here, because a Proposition 22 wants to gut the labor and wage protections and benefits. We have laws in place. We have Dynamex decision that was created in 2018 and uh, the AB5 that was created, that was passed earlier this year. The bottom line is that Lyft and Uber do not want to follow the laws and rules like everyone else. I know what it's like to be a gig worker that works for an exploitive application company, app company, such as these guys. I know what it's like to have lip service in support of black lives, complete of hollow words, hiding behind billboard signs and big checks created by well-paid publication, public relations teams, absence of any real promise of change. And the notice for your listeners should be, do not follow the advice of Proposition 22 created by multi-million dollar campaigns. They are shirking their responsibilities and they're trying to put it on us. And it's unfair and that's why it's critical. We vote no. 
So Sherry Murphy, this listener tweets, I lost my job due to the pandemic. Having an app that I can just turn on and make money has literally kept a roof over my head and food in my stomach while I look for another job. I think Prop 22 boils down to one simple issue to me, and that is flexibility. This person would like yes on Prop 22. I I do want to ask you, Sherry, just quickly, you know, the companies and others are saying that, uh, you know, turning all contractors or drivers, especially these companies into employees could increase costs, what, some 20 or 30%. And I do just want you to say whether or not you think that would affect their ability to provide the flexibility that you're saying they can. What will it affect is the ability for uh, workers to not have um, the ability to have good quality jobs. Everybody wants a job, but do we want a really good quality job? Because as I tried to say, I know what it's like to work long hours with no guaranteed wage or no work breaks or no restroom facilities and no overtime. I know what it's like to have the looming threat of an accident with no coverage or a deactivation based upon discrimination or retaliation with no protections or no remedies and no voice. I come from a line of a tradition of racial um, advocacy and what I'm telling, and I know what it's like to be struggling in the middle of a pandemic for three months because my employer refused to put in unemployment insurance like other moral business owners. Listen, we were forced with a devil's choice when the pandemic came. We were faced with a disease that had the ability to to kill us and secure our bills and Lyft and Uber were nowhere to be found. And when we attempted to get secure secure masks and hand sanitizer and paid sick time, there was lack of transparency processes. And again, Lyft and Uber were nowhere to be found. The bottom line is this, is that this ballot measure is nothing more than um, a profit, a profit um, gig. And it's on the backs of, wor- of, of workers, and it's unfair, and that's why we should vote no. Sherry Murphy, a Lyft driver, organizer with Gig Workers Rising, no on Prop 22. David Cruz is with us, president of the League of United Latin American Citizens Council, and yes on Prop 22. Lauren Hepler is with us, economy reporter for Cal Matters. Lauren Hepler, I'm wondering in your reporting if you've been finding whether support or opposition to Proposition 22 depends on what kind of driver you are, whether you're somebody who uses it mostly for part-time or to supplement other kind of work that you want to be able to do, or if you're somebody who really relies on gig work for the bulk of your income. Yeah, it's a great question. And I would say I've talked to some folks who are really, especially before the pandemic, were the hardcore drivers that would maybe leave home in the Central Valley, go work in San Francisco for two or three days at a time and just racking up as many hours, as many rides as they could. In some cases, folks were telling me they were driving like 60, 70 hours a week. And in those cases, they really do say, look, I'm working more than a full-time job. It's outrageous that I'm not getting health care, that I'm not getting overtime and these things that workers in other industries are getting. Guaranteed. But I will say I've talked to folks on the other side who are, I would add, completely unaffiliated with either campaign. Um, I talked to a gentleman, Brian Odin, down in San Jose this week, who is an independent photographer and videographer. And he said he's been working for Instacart during the day, usually making about 150 bucks a day uh, on a kind of standard eight hour shift. Um, and that gave him the income to then be able to go out in the evenings when Black Lives Matter protests were going on 
and film speeches and he would say I would gig during the day and then I could go out and do kind of my my real passion my my real independent job at night so there are different vantage points there and the one driver I talked to I thought kind of summed it up in an interesting way his name is Ben Valdez he's down in Los Angeles and drives about 20 hours a week for Uber and Lyft outside his day job at a community college and he said the thing that's frustrating is that it can be like going to Vegas. He said on bad nights, he'll earn as little as three bucks an hour. But on a good day, you know, you can hit it big and earn $400 if you get folks that are taking long rides or that kind of thing. And in his case, he said, you know, the, st the stability is what I really want. I, I don't want to be taking that risk uh, every time I go out to work. So that's kind of what the question is for a lot hmm. of folks. Well, let me go next to caller Kathy in San Jose. Hi, Kathy. Hi, I wanted to know what the definition of gig worker is. Like, who does the proposition apply to? That's a good question. And also a question from some of our other commenters as well. This listener writes, I understand this proposition is to exempt driver-based apps. But what about all the other apps? Handyman, business, babysitting, dog walkers. Do these app platforms currently have to comply with the employment laws if they meet the thresholds? David Cruz. Uh, here's what I know, and, and thank you for that. I appreciate the balance of the conversation. Um, the word gig, I mean, it, I think it's a play on words because, yes, you know, gigabyte and also gig as in you do this and you do that. I mean, I get that. That's uh, kind of the sign of our times where we're cobbling together different kinds of jobs to uh, make ends meet. And let me tell you, it's true. The pandemic has taken a big chunk out of the economy, primarily for communities of color where we have seen an economic drop of 60 to 70 percent. Um, to the question of the of the various categories of, of gig uh, workers, uh, my son, he's a videographer. He shoots a video and he's an on-demand kind of an employee um, in, in that he works for himself. He, he makes his own taxes and those kinds of things. But here's what I do know that happened with AB5. There have been more than 100 exceptions already made to AB5. It was not a perfect solution for everybody. And I think it's going to continue to be the case that as the marketplace evolves, we're going to continue to see changes. And believe you me, I'm not ignoring the comments about people who are having a very difficult time. We're all seeing this kind of change. But there is a vast variety of drivers. And even the drivers, people maybe in the Bay Area, who have shorter rides, they may not be making as much as people who are in some other areas where the rides and the drives are longer. So there is a, uh, a very broad landscape. And I'd like to close with this. What Prop 22 can do for the state of California is bring uniformity from one end of the state to the other. And there are protections there to guard against the kind of discrimination that Ms. Murphy is describing. Um, I can maybe Lauren Hepler. Yeah. I mean, yeah. does this go beyond? I mean, the major funders of this are Uber, Lyft, Instacart, DoorDash, Postmates, which is also owned by Uber. Right. Um, yes. So. So d how far does this go? Does it apply to these companies or much further? Yeah, so this is a pretty narrowly defined bill. The nonpartisan legislative analyst's office clarifies that this is for app-based drivers uh, who work in delivery and ride-sharing sectors. Uh, so we are talking about sort of, you know, the household names that are supporting the campaign, Uber, Lyft, Instacart, DoorDash, Postmates. Um, but it's interesting because I've already heard a lot of folks saying, you know, like the, the stakes here could be really high for drivers in other sectors. Like you think about the sheer numbers of Amazon drivers, of uh, there's 
companies like Shift that works with Target. So all kinds of, we know this is a growing sector with these kind of on-demand app workers. And a big question is going to be kind of what happens here with some of the ones who aren't in these narrowly defined categories. Well, again, we're talking with Lauren Hepler of Cal Matters, Sherry Murphy of Gig Workers Rising with No on Prop 22, and David Cruz with LULAC, yes, on Prop 22. What are your questions about the proposition? Maybe you've already decided how you'll vote. You can tell us why at 866-733-6786. You can tell us on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email us at forum at kqed.org. Let me give you a couple of comments. Steve writes, I was so confused on how to vote on it in the end. I followed the money for it and voted no. Joan writes, the yes ads offer no explanation why people must be paid as independent contractors. Just a lot of reasons most people can identify, like wanting to work flexible hours for extra money. We'll hear from more of you, our listeners, after the break. We're talking Proposition 22. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. You're listening to Forum. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. The outcome of Proposition 22 is being watched closely across the country with potentially broad implications for labor standards across industries. And I'm going straight to you, our listeners. Ken tweets, AB5 captured a long list of independent contractors in a myriad of different roles, including insurance agents, attorneys, real estate agents. All have been granted exemptions. Why? If it applies to one, why not all? Isn't the granting of waivers a form of influence? peddling. Sherry Murphy, what's your reaction to Ken? You know, um, it's a really good question. And I think it connects with the last question with um, asking what is a gig worker? And what I know in my world is that 70% um, of um, the workforce are African-American and people of color. That's a gig worker. And that close to 56% of them are immigrants. So, and that's why tens of thousands of rideshare drivers are calling on voters to vote no on Proposition 22. 70% of them work more than 30 hours and a significant amount of them cannot afford a $400 expense. So as it relates to the future of gig work, it is imperative that we vote no, because as Lauren mentioned, it would require a seventh eighth of the majority to amend this law. I can't get 12 people to agree on a pizza so imagine a seventh eighth of a vote that would create uh, of a vote to change Proposition 22 if it passes. So you don't think, for example, that the legislature has been specifically resistant to helping or compromising with Uber or Lyft or companies like that? Ask me in another way. I want to make sure that I'm clear. Well, what I mean is, I, I think what Ken is asking is, you know, if, if you've given exemptions, if the legislature, if AB5 has given exemptions to all of these different industries, right, why aren't they giving an exemption to Uber and Lyft and companies, app-based companies like the ones that are represented here by Proposition 22? You know, is there potentially the fact that uh, that the legislature is specifically resistant to these companies, to Uber, Lyft? Yes. 
And that would be, I would disagree with that. The legislators for over 10 years have attempted to work with Lyft and Uber. We've been talking about the Dynamex decision as relates to trying to work with them about whether or not we should be considered employees or independent contractors. Mm -hmm. We've been working with them with AB5 as relates to um, whether or not we deserve basic benefits, labor and law protections. Um, and the issue is whether or not Lyft and Uber and DoorDash will treat their workers with dignity or respect, or will they purchase a law that will continue to expand the exploitation of workers? And that answer needs to be no. Well, Paul writes, the crucial difference to me is that a contractor is hired to complete a specific job while an employee has an open-ended relationship with the employer. As long as the company sets the rates and assigns the rides to people waiting for something to do, these are clearly employees. Jeff in Berkeley, join us. Hi, Jeff. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, let me start by saying I totally understand the anger and outrage, um, you know, with regards to Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash, etc. Um, I'm a small business uh, in Berkeley. Uh, I, I have solely independent contractors. I pay them a handsome hourly rate, anywhere from 50 to 100 bucks an hour. Um, they work on projects, not administrative tasks, generally speaking. And I'm curious, you know, when does when does this conversation go away? Like, at what hourly rate, or you know, at what what amount of compensation would satisfy um, the law as it exists now, and perhaps this conversation? Hmm. Interesting. Um, Lauren Hepler, do you want to try to respond to Jeff? I know you've done some work about compensation and how it is all over the map with gig work. Yes, I have. And I mean, to answer the question directly, I'm not aware of any provisions of current state law that would say, you know, you can go back to classifying workers as independent contractors if they are at a certain hourly wage. Um, so that's, again, something that would likely have to be further legislated. But on the point about driver pay, the studies really are all over the place. And a lot of that is because the gig companies themselves have declined to release comprehensive data on how much drivers are paid. Um, they've participated in some studies for places like New York and Seattle, but we don't really have, you know, the real numbers for how much our drivers making day to day in California. So into that vacuum have come studies like one that's backed by labor groups. Um, the UC Berkeley Labor Center found that with Prop 22, drivers can make as little as 564 an hour when you account for of costs of car ownership and wait times. On the flip side, a group at UC Riverside that's been commissioned by Lyft and DoorDash uh, found that with using much lower wait times and driver expenses, drivers could be making $25 to $27 an hour. Right in the middle, the legislative analyst's office, again, the government's nonpartisan agency, said that most drivers make $11 to $16 an hour after wait and after wait times and expenses. So there really is a huge range that we're talking about here. Well, this is writes, as a former Lyft driver with over 9,000 rides, I oppose Prop 22. Your, your Pro 22 spokesperson speaks from a condition of privilege. He's never tried to make ends meet on a gig worker's pay. And as a California citizen, I am insulted by the 7-8 supermajority clause. David Cruz, I'll give you a chance to respond since the listener called you out specifically. <laughs> but I would also like to ask you about the 7 supermajority clause as well, if you could also explain no why that was no necessary. Problem. This is not an issue of hourly rate. It's really an issue of control. Who's going to control the segment of the labor force in California? That's really what this is about. The gentleman who called who says he pays handsomely for people who do specific projects. 
I do the same thing and I get paid the same way. I do a job, I get paid for what I do, then I go out and I find the next job. It, it, there's there's no employer-employee relationship in, in a lot of worlds uh, that, that people are dealing with today. The reason why the seven-eighths to me is important, and this is one of the things that caused me to support Yes on 22, is that no one asked me and no one asked the voters of California about AB5 before they passed it. They did that up in Sacramento because they do have what was referred to earlier as the super duper majority. They have a super majority. We weren't asked. Yes on 22 is our first shot at expressing our views on the future of work in California. And, and I do believe that the seventh eights should indicate to our listeners, or may indicate, it's up to you how you want to take it, how important this is. There's a lot at stake, and we want to make sure that lawmakers do not ignore the wishes of the voters. So, yes, it's important that people get out there and express themselves, and I would urge them to consider, put that control in the hands of the workers, not politicians. Alan, I'd like to, in, I'd like oh, yes, Jerry Murphy, sure, I'd, go right ahead. I'd like to jump on that, because I agree with the, I would agree with the caller as relates to uh, for low-wage workers and people of colors. What I know is is that Proposition 22 is supported by the self-proclaimed great businessman, President Trump, the California Republican Party, police unions, and multiple chambers of commerce. It even, tran it even transferred $2 million to the California Republican Party to support this campaigning efforts, which I may add, it comes to close to $200 million. And who's opposing it? Pete labor unions, uh, the United Food and Commercial Workers, the California Labor Federation, uh, presidential nominees Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, um, Senator Elizabeth Warren are against this ballot measure because they have a history of being for basic workers and middle class folks. So I'm 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 curious too why this bill is supposed to be the prize bill when I know that working with Lyft and Uber is about expectations, which is why we have AB5 and Dynamex law. Those laws that Lyft and Uber have refused to follow and instead have purchased their own labor laws. It's clear that we need to make sure that Proposition 22 does not pass. We're up for a fight up and down um, the ballot and this in November in Proposition 22 is a battle that we need to make sure that we win. Lauren Hepler, how is the latest polling going? What is it showing us? So we've actually had a shift in this in this race. Uh, about a month ago, the measure was trailing slightly. And the most recent numbers from a group at Berkeley show that Prop 22 is up among likely voters 39 to 36%. But that leaves a huge number, at least a quarter of voters undecided with you know less than a month to go until election day. So I would expect to see lots more ads on this topic. Nick writes, I ran a delivery company with employees and independent contractors for 14 years in Seattle. I saw the birth of the big companies that use the independent contractor model to keep the money in their pockets and the protections off the workers. They chose a bad model and have broken laws to get where they are if they go under. It is because they made bad choices. Tyson writes, if a company's business model relies on shirking labor and tax laws to be profitable, it isn't a viable business. As a small business owner, I'd love to 1099 all my employees. Costs of goods would be cheaper for my clients. I could pay my employees more and save six figures in workers' comp, payroll tax, and other required benefits. 
Lenny tweets, Lyft and Uber are not meant to be real or quality stable jobs. If you want a full-time job with benefits, then you should seek out a full-time job. Gig work is supposed to be quick and as needed. Alan in Oakland, thanks so much for waiting. Thank you. Can you hear me fine? I can. Go right ahead. Excellent. Uh, first of all, Lauren, Shirley, thank you for uh, your salient points. I'm a driver with Lyft with several thousand rides over the past three years, and I'm specifically voting no on Proposition 22. And I'm going to tell you exactly why. Number one, this term flexibility is nothing but mythology, folks. It's mythology. Flexibility is not built into the ride share or gig share business. You go when the surge and the demand of customers is there. Okay, I can't have a job all day long and think I'm going to make money over midnight. There's no demand. That being said, Uber and Lyft honestly do think they're above the law. They've been breaking this law for years now, and they're trying to buy themselves their own laws to continue exploiting workers like me. This almost $200 million they're spending is also money that they got free by failing to pay in the tax rules for our unemployment and benefits for the past several years. And this was confirmed by a UC Berkeley study. Well, so Alan, thank you. Second. Yeah. I, I think we, we hear you and, uh, and, and hear your passion. Let me go next to Emma in Los Angeles. Hi, Emma. What would you like to say? Hey, guys. I'm not entirely sure how to vote for this issue, but I am a person who has transitioned from the gig economy into a job that actually has a labor union. I don't take home a lot of money with salary, but the amount of security I have is immeasurable. I don't know that we fight hard enough for a livable situation in these in these times. And I think that although, of course, the gig economy with Lyft is important, um, Maybe we should fight a little harder for what it's like to have a life and a job and kids in this day and age. Emma, thanks for sharing that. Sort of along those lines, Carl, Carl writes, if we had a good social safety net, we wouldn't have to worry about all these different ways that companies exploit workers. Leslie writes, I received a yes on 22 flyer yesterday, boldly stating the vast majority of app-based drivers say yes. One claim I would like to hear more about from the guests is healthcare benefits starting at just 15 hours a week. Would this truly be implemented? Lauren Hepler, can I go to you on that? The 15 yeah. hours a week, how is that calculated? It's a good point. So you accrue a larger healthcare subsidy based on how much you're driving. Um, so yeah, it starts at 15 hours a week and critics uh, sort of with labor groups say that the amount you would be earning is really not enough to, to pay for your own healthcare. Whereas the current law, um, current state law and AB5 would provide, you know, sort of full employer sponsored healthcare plans. So that's the main difference there. Lauren Hepler, economy reporter for Cal Matters. We also have Sherry Murphy with us, no on Prop 22, and David Cruz with us, yes on Prop 22. And you, our listeners, you're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. And let me go to more calls. Lisa in Sebastopol. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I would be uh, very grateful for this program. I wasn't sure how I would vote. Um, I am a contract worker myself. I definitely uh, Lisa, I'm so sorry. The line is uh, cutting out. If you could try to call us back, let me see if I can go next to Hope in San Francisco. Hi, Hope. 
Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I'm mostly here just to beg anyone who is listening to vote no on Prop 22. Lyft, Uber, Instacart, DoorDash, Postmates have spent more money on this self-serving proposition than any other proposition in California history. A little reminiscent of last year's Jules 2019 campaign, Vaping for the Children measure. Um, the largest survey of on-demand workers in the country by UC Santa Cruz shows that for most app-based rideshare drivers, this isn't just a gig. It's a full-time job, and most drivers work over 35 hours a week. And when you calculate true expenses, including wear and tear on their cars, mileage, reimbursement, paid and unpaid time, a substantial chunk of this workforce is estimated to earn less than San Francisco's minimum wage. And 20% of drivers earn $0 after expenses. And Prop 22 would let the companies rip off drivers with massive amounts of unpaid labor. Drivers would only be paid for time while they have a passenger in the car or when they're making a delivery and they call this engaged time they get nothing at all while they're driving to pick someone up waiting for a ride um which could be up to half their time so please 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 everyone vote no on prop 22 um thanks so much again for taking my call thank you hope for calling in john tweets the yes advocate points out that the ab that ab5 has been amended several times already why can't the legislature simply address any changes that this prop seeks to address david cruz why not try to continue working with sacramento on this well sacramento didn't work with us i mean that's what brought us to this location now had sacramento sat down with many of us the voters Perhaps we would have fashioned out something that's going to be more equitable. When Lisa, I'm sorry that I couldn't hear the whole thing, but um, I, I wanted to hear her thinking as a driver, and I appreciate Hope's passion there in San Francisco. But Emma in LA pointed out that the needs of people do vary and change. And the flexibility here is very real. I think it's going to be an ongoing attraction for drivers. And please, drivers are not one monolithic block. I just want to keep the choice in their hands, not in the hands of politicians. That's it. David Cruz, head of LULAC, yes on Prop 22. Sherry Murphy, Lyft driver, no on Prop 22. Lauren Hepler, economy reporter for CalMatters. Thanks to all of you for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for having me. Appreciate thank you. It. And thanks to Blanca Torres for producing that segment. We now head into the weekend with another installment from our series, The Music Getting You Through 2020. And uh, today we get uh, a recommendation from Bob, The End of the Innocence by Don Henley. Bob writes, to me, the song is about taking responsibility for what happens in our society and letting go of a more childish idea that we can leave that responsibility to others or think that because things worked a certain way in the past, that it should always be fine for everyone in the future. i
Listener Bob are recommending The End of the Innocence by Don Henley. And you can hear all the songs listeners are recommending at uh, the Music Getting You Through 2020 playlist on Spotify. Forum is produced by Judy Campbell, Tina Lauerberg, Ariana Prail, Blanca Torres, and Susan Britton. Our senior editor is Dan Zoll. Our engineer is Danny Bringer. And our intern is Jameson Weiss. Our executive editor is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Mina Kim. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation.